And we're up to Encounter with God, the creative power of God's Word here on The Breakfast Show. Brilliant. All right. Psalms 33 verse 6, is that what you said? 33 verse 6, go for it. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. You know, you read this particular passage right here and you think, okay, you look at, you look at the, uh, the heavens mm. and here it's talking about the starry heavens because in context, you know, they're starry host Yes. Uh, by the word of his mouth. And you recognize that our world is a speck of dust. <laughs> you know, there are, there are planets out there that are like, what, 50 million times bigger than ours or whatever it might be. Um, and you know, don't even get started talking about suns. You know, mm. when it comes to suns um, or actual stars, you know, our our sun, which is just ridiculously ginormous, mm-hmm. uh, it's also tiny. It's just a tiny. It's a, it's, a, it's it's a piece of dust compared to the big ones. Yeah. You know, there's a there's a great sermon on YouTube called you know if our world was a like a golf ball. I think it was something like that. And so it takes the world, our world is the size of a golf ball. And oh, I and borrowed some, it? I, I borrowed some information from it one time for a sermon I preached. Them. And so I brought a golf ball to church and it's like, okay, kids, if our world was the size of a golf ball, where would the sun be and how big would it be? You know, and we, we stretch the tape measure out from one side of the earth to the other and we've got the golf ball on one side and the sun's on the other. Hmm. And then we're like, okay, if we were going to measure the size of you know, one of the big suns that is out there, how far would you have to stretch the tape measure? You know, and you would have to stretch that tape measure from, you know, Maitland Church all the way through East Maitland, all the way through Maitland, all the way through Talara, all the way through Rutherford, before you even got to the diameter of one of the big suns that is out there. We just can't even comprehend that, really. You can't. Like you just- <laughs> no, you can't. You can't. Yeah. yeah. In comparison to that, our sun is like a basketball. Mm-hmm. And, and you know it, it's just it's just it it just boggles the mind yeah. uh, what is out there and so when you look at something like that it's like okay that had to be created by an incredibly powerful god mm. because that is just huge yeah. that that is enormous that is beyond imagination it is so big where, where does that come from Mm. And so here the Bible talks about, you know, the heavens were made, all the starry host by the word of God. Have you got for us verse uh, 9 there? Yeah. Chapter 33 still? Yep, that's the one. Okay, so for he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. Okay, so we've we've got, you know, when our earth is the size of a golf ball and our sun is the size of a basketball, and then if you're going to find the size of one of the big suns out there, you're going to have to drive several kilometres before you get to the end of uh, the tape measure that is measuring mm-hmm. the diameter of that compared to our earth as the size of a golf ball. And the Bible says that he spoke, it came to be, he commanded, it stood firm. Mm. But that's not all. He spoke, it came to me, he commanded, it stood firm, and so did the butterflies. Mm. Okay, but think about this as a contrast for a moment. Mm-hmm. Here you are dealing with a being that can create the most massive suns and their solar systems. You know, he can create on the macro mm-hmm. in a way that just boggles the mind. You know, and when you look at a solar system, right? So a solar system is made up of a sun with things floating around it. Yep. <laughs> yep. If you look at a galaxy, 
a galaxy is made up of a bunch of suns floating around a central point. A universe is made up of a bunch of galaxies floating around a central point. Mm. You know what an atom's made up of? Mm. Something in Something the middle with some floating stuff floating around, around, it? around the outside of it. <laughs> You, yeah. know, you can go to macro, you can go to micro, mm. you find the fingerprints of God all the way through. It is everything is built on the same principle. Mm-hmm. So there's a principle of science here that God understands and that he has used in creation. And he has used it in the creation of the biggest suns and the smallest butterflies that are incredibly delicate, that are fragile, that are beautiful and artistic. You know, you look at some of these butterflies, like, and you can go, okay, I, I know why you have the colours you have, uh, because um, you, you know you look like something scary. You've got eyes mm. on your wings, or whatever it might be. But a lot of butterflies that are out there. The only reason that they exist is for artistic expression. Yes, I love that. That is their only reason mm-hmm. for existence. Mm-hmm. Think about our world for a moment. Think about flowers as an example. Okay. People say, well, flowers need to be colourful so that the pollinators can find them. All right, <laughs> that's easy. Turn them into all high-vis yellow and orange. Yep, all of them, all the same. All the same, yep. easy to find. Yep. It's like, yep, places to pollinate, there, 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 there and there. Yep. Problem solved. That is not what God did. Mm-hmm. When our world came into existence, our world is extravagantly clothed in artistic beauty. Yes. Outrageous, you know, colours and designs and beauty and things that we can appreciate for no other reason than just artistic expression. Yeah, fully. I um, I heard someone say once that, you know, like our world is as marvellous as any fairy tale. You know, like the story is always, oh, you know, this is beautiful, this is... And I'm like, yeah, but have you looked at our world? Like, yes, uh-huh. it's a mess, uh-huh. but also... It's ridiculous. Yeah, that's like, right. <laughs> amazingly so. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, I just concur. It's, it's and, so incredible to me. And the thing that amazes me, because like, there's a vase of flowers just sitting outside the studio here, right? Okay. And, and the weird thing is that the vase, you know, it has some artistic expression to it and mm-hmm. so forth. It has design and shape and it has information because on the bottom it'll say made in China. Mm-hmm. Um, all, of, all of that kind of thing, right? Uh, is, is anybody going to deny that the vase was made by an intelligent being. No. No. I, I could I could bring anyone in off the street and mm. say, how did this vase come to into existence? Did it come to as a result in uh, of an explosion in a uh, volcano where some mud blew up and then got baked? Yeah, just like that. <laughs> no. And they're all going to go, no. Mm. You can have volcanoes for the next, you know, 400 billion years and you're not going to have a vase come out of it. And that vase is incredibly simple. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. really, really simple. Yeah. Then you go to the flower and the flowers that are in the vase are incredibly complex. And the artistic design of the flowers is just way beyond, Absolutely. infinitely beyond the vase itself. Mm. The information that is within those flowers you know, one piece of DNA, you can put, you know, all of the, if you put all of the, took all of the collective information that exists in our world today, you could store it in the back of a Holden ute if you stored it in DNA. Oh, what? So imagine, so, so, so your vase has got made in China written mm. on the bottom, I'm assuming. <laughs> uh, it's got made in China written on the bottom. Your flower 
has just bulk, massive amounts of DNA. Mm. You can take that DNA and make another flower. Mm-hmm. You can't take made in China off the bottom of the vase and go, oh, uh, we'll from this we will make vase. another vase. Mm. No, you can't do that. Uh, you take the artistic design, you, you know, you take the complexity. Mm. Can the vase reproduce itself? No. Can the flower? Yes. Can the vase grow and change shape? No. Can the flower? Yes, it can. Mm. Um, can the vase, you know, do good things for the environment like, uh, you know, suck up nutrients and then recycle those nutrients and uh, create better soil, uh, et cetera, et cetera? No, the vase can't do any of that. The plant can. Mm. Mm. Can the vase provide a um, sustenance for other creatures? No. But all kinds of bugs can live on the flowers, the flowers yeah. and find sustenance from them. And we say, yes, the vase was created. We see evidence of creation there. Uh, we can see that an intelligent designer created the vase uh, because it has a functionality, it has a purpose, it has artistic design, it has information. Mm. Ah, but the flower, that uh, just evolved. <laughs> it just happened. It makes no sense whatsoever mm. at all. I have a question for you, though. Yes. So, if we're saying God created the world with his words, yes. did God just go, let there be flowers, or did he specifically name all the, you're like, you know, I want some gerberas, I want some frangipanis, I want some, do you know what I mean? Because I'm like, that, that could take a long time. <laughs> Was it just that because God's word and Action is so interlinked. He okay. doesn't have to. Do you know what I'm just asking? Like, I do yeah, know what you're yeah. asking, and I know how to answer it. Brilliant. So we had Ken Kingston on here a little bit, little bit earlier, yes. and he was talking about um, God setting aside a thousand years mm. for all of us to ask all of the why <laughs> questions. Yeah, <laughs> this is time for that. This is for that time. All right. This is for that time. This is for that. Definitely for that time. So you'll have a thousand years to uh, to line up with God and say, "Hey, God, what about you know?" Da, 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 da. We just talk about this. <laughs> how does this actually work? Yeah, yeah. Uh, now you start to see why God has set a thousand years aside because we're going to turn up in heaven like two year olds. Mm. The why? Yeah, yeah. The everlasting yeah. why? 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 But what about this? <laughs> but why? You know, oh, yeah. God's going to have. A lot of patience. I think. Yeah, but we know it. that God does. He does. Thank he you, does. Jesus. <laughs> and to be honest, when kids go through that why stage, it's actually super cute. Mm. It's really awesome. Uh, one of my favorite stages was when the, my kids started asking why about everything. Yeah. Because, you know, they're learning 90% of what they're ever going to learn in their entire lifetime during that period. Yeah, yeah. And it's so like it's just like, yes, let me answer your questions. Sometimes I think I went over their head a little bit. <laughs> the questions right, were answered. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's go to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. Hebrews 1, 1 to 3. Yes. Oh, okay. Hebrews 1, 1 to 3 says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Do you know there's a statement in that verse that has only been confirmed by modern science in the last 20 years or so? What's that? 
Okay, so what does the Bible say that Jesus created, that Jesus made in this verse? The world's plural. The world's plural. Not mm. the world, but the world. It's only been the last 20 years or so that we have actually discovered hmm. other planets. Yeah. We haven't actually, outside of our solar system, mm-hmm. we haven't actually seen any yet. We just see where they're creating a wobble on their respective <laughs> star as they go around and yeah. exert a small amount of gravitational pull. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So 2,000 years ago, you know, Paul writes down here in the Hebrews about uh, Jesus creating the world, the mm. planets. You know, this is where other, other beings inhabit, um, the rest of the universe right there. And... Uh, yeah, about 20 years ago, it's like, oh, actually that exists. That's actually a thing. Mm. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> uh, who does the Bible say creates all of this? Jesus. Jesus does. Mm. It was created by God through Jesus Christ. And um, we know from Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2 that the Holy Spirit was there also. also yeah. So all three members of the Godhead involved in the creation. Okay, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. There's a different kind of creation that we've got taking place here. And it doesn't, it's, it's going to come back a little bit to our symbol that we had of the Word of God yesterday, where the Word of God is symbolized by a hammer. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, so 4 verse 12 reads For the Word of God is living and powerful, and sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Okay, so a sword. Mm, yeah. A creative thing mm-hmm. or a destructive thing? A knife. Mm. So a hammer, a creative thing or a destructive thing? We think about a hammer, we use it to smash things. Mm. So therefore it it's a destructive thing. Oh, you weren't here for the Bible no. study. We had a cool Bible study yesterday. Ah, no. <laughs> okay. And we concluded that a hammer is always used to create things mm. or to fix things. Yeah. Always. Yeah. So when it is smashing rock, what is it doing? Well, it is creating a cutting that a road can go through. Mm. It is creating a hole in the ground that you can get water or gold from or something else. Aye. So a hammer, which we sort of, you know, we initially think it's there for smashing, <laughs> is actually there for creating. Yep. And it's kind of like that uh, glass half full, glass half empty kind of. What do you see the hammer as? Is this a creative implement or a smashing implement? Mm -hmm. What do you see the sword as? Creative? I would argue it's also creative. Okay. Mm. So how's the sword creative? I mean, sword is designed for cutting flesh, right? Yes. Yeah, Mm. I mean, yeah, I guess it's. I guess my head, where my head went, which is actually not. A sword, but I just think of like a scalpel, which is still something that's piercing the skin. Ooh. But often that happens for a healing process to take well, place, the, also. Yes, but that's not directly a sword, though. So I don't know. Maybe I just went a little untangent there. I, I'm going to run with that for a second because the Bible describes this sword as being like the sharpest thing out there, yeah. and we know the scalpel is the sharpest thing that you'll get. Yeah, and, and the it, Bible describes this sword performing a medical operation mm. or medical operations. Yeah. And cutting the body open and dividing it up and finding out all of the bad things that are in there. Mm. And why is the body cut up? Why is it opened up like that to find all the bad things that are in there? Uh, the reason is so that it can get rid of those bad That's things. Right. If you've got cancer in there, open up, cut it out, get, get it rid out. of it. 
They do not want that have that thing living in your body whatsoever at all. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Uh, where were we? Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 is the verse we're reading where the Bible says that the Word of God is like a sharp two-edged sword. We actually talked about this a couple of weeks ago uh, where we talked about, you know, a sword kind of cuts. Mm. Is it fun to be cut? No. No? You ever cut yourself with a knife? What? Have you ever cut yourself with a oh, knife? Oh, yeah. Yes? Oh, yeah. Not fun? No. no. Uh, yeah. I've Particularly had when some you're... pretty solid cuts. Uh-huh. Although it's the worst one, it's like a blunt knife. Ooh. Oh, there's nothing worse like, than a blunt knife. <laughs> nah. <laughs> you ever cut yourself with a knife while you've been peeling a lemon? Oh, <laughs> oh I'm sorry. <laughs> just, oh, oh, I can imagine. Just that, yeah, yeah, just the sensation is like, oh, no, let's not go there. Oh, yeah. Do not go there. That would, uh, no, that no. would sting. Yeah. And the moral of the story is that if you read the Bible and it never hurts, mm. then maybe you're not actually reading it the way it was designed to be read. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying the Bible should hurt all the time. Mm-hmm. Because a scalpel doesn't hurt all the time. A scalpel cuts for the purpose of healing. That's right. And that's exactly what the Bible does. And when you read about, you know, use the word sword here, they didn't have scalpels back in Paul's day. They had swords. But when you read this passage, it is cutting for the purpose of healing. That's right. Yep. It is cutting to... What's interesting, you know, is to compare this passage with a sacrifice that they used to have in the the, uh, temple services. It was called the burnt offering. Mm. The burnt offering was not a sacrifice for forgiveness of sin. The burnt offering was a sacrifice of consecration. So this was an offering that you would offer at times of thanks, times of surrender, times of consecration, times when you felt like you'd wandered away from God and you were coming back and making that full surrender to God, uh, times that you wanted to be particularly close to God, etc. It was just purely a consecration offering. Mm. And when you read about the process that took place in that sacrifice, um, you, you take the life of the animal, uh, then you skin the animal, so you take all of the skin off the outside, and then the Bible goes into tremendous detail about how you were to divide the animal up. Mm. Um, and you, know, you take out this organ, you take out that organ, you take out the other, and it doesn't, it doesn't just say, then you gut it. The Bible says you take out this organ, that organ, the other organ, and then you separate the fat mm. from all the different organs. And you burn it separately um, of course, the, the the flesh is cooked and eaten. You know, you're not wasting food, but all of the uh, the offal and so forth is separated. The fat is separated, and it's burnt separately on the altar. And the reason for this is a great illustration because it's an illustration of what's happening in this verse. Fat in the Bible is a symbol of sin. Mm. Oh, interesting. And yeah. you were actually searching through the animal to remove it to find all of the fat, to find all of the sin. Hmm. And so as a symbol of heart searching, you're searching through yourself and the Bible talks about, you know, going into the innermost parts of that animal to find the fat, to find the sin. And and the Word of God is is like that. It's like a sharp knife that you would use in a burnt offering to find the innermost thoughts and intents of your heart. Uh, to be able to cut them out, to remove them, to get rid of them, and to be able to um, to you know to offer this as a sacrifice, and then of course it's all it all goes on the altar. 
Mm. You don't get to keep any of that sin for yourself. Mm-hmm. None of the none of the fat is like, oh, here's some good fat. You know, I can turn this. I want to keep that one. Yeah. You know, I can turn this into this or that or the other. No, you don't get to keep it, any of that. It all goes on the altar, mm. and this is an entire surrender to God. Yep. You don't walk out with any of that sacrifice. It is all left behind. Full and complete surrender to God. And that's what that passage here in uh, Hebrews chapter 4 is talking about. Okay, uh, let's go to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, we're going to uh, look for a repetitive word here. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Verse 6. Then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. Then verse 11. Mm -hmm. And then God said, let the earth bring forth grass. And then verse 14. Then God said. And then verse 20. (laughs) Uh, Then God said. And then verse 24. Then God said. And verse 26. Then God said. And verse 29. Then God and God said. Oh, and God said. said. (laughs) (laughs) Just just making sure you're on your toes here this morning. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) See, God put that last one in there, so he was like, okay, they're going to be expecting this. Let me throw a curveball right now. <laughs> yeah, okay, so God so, spoke numerous times. It's repeated mm-hmm. and emphasized. This is the creation story. This is how our world comes into place. Mm. And, you know, God declares and all these things happen. It will be super interesting. You know, because you think it would take an eternity for God to you know, individually speak every little cell and different design into place. So did he just say flowers and did he have all of the flowers in his head? Or is God actually able to just work that fast? Hmm. Well, I mean, God, if he, if, if he can he create can produce, all these universes, then... Produce all that creativity and mm. speak every little detail into place in the space of a day. Mm. We don't know. We don't know. As you say, <laughs> he can create... A massive universe. Yeah. So it shouldn't be that hard, right? Yeah. I like to think that he actually personally designed everything on the go. Mm. He winged it. So he didn't sit down like and plan it for a thousand years. He just like started creating stuff and just let his creativity just let it go. That's how I like to think. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, I could be entirely wrong on that. Um, yeah, how do you think about it? If, you, if you've got some thoughts on how God went through this creative process, God said, there it was. That's the big bang right there. Bang, it was there. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.